1: Yes, Marina, good morning to you all and uh, welcome to the show for this Monday morning, a review type show of uh, all the action that was on over the weekend. Talked to some key commentators and uh, players that were involved. Uh, this is all courtesy of Brand, of course, your local John Deere equipment supplier. Uh, they are the people in charge of the green machines and uh, all uh, a- agricultural advice, actually, and there's plenty needed around the place at the moment. So we'll focus on uh, Super Rugby in particular with Jeff Wilson very shortly. Uh, and then after that, uh, we shall uh, perhaps talk about uh, a bit of football that's happened over the weekend. The EPL, absolutely fascinating at the, well, not so much at the top now. I think uh, Arsenal won't have done their chips, but uh, certainly down the bottom of it, that's a real talking point and so much at stake there financially. And, well, status-wise. Um, after 10 o'clock, uh, we'll catch up with uh, Stuff's Mark Hinton, uh, and we'll look at uh, basketball with Mark, uh, the sales NBL, and, of course, uh, what's going on in the NBA. I can tell you right here and now in Game 7 between the 76ers, Philadelphia 76ers, and the Boston Celtics. It's 57-55. have just started the third quarter there, uh, and that is in favour of the Boston Celtics at home. Uh, very, very interesting. Right, uh, we'll also talk to Andrew Gordy and Graham Beasley on the panel this morning. Uh, we'll take your texts on 8883 anytime about your reaction to what's happened over the weekend. Uh, and also we'll look at uh, the NRL and the key results over the weekend. Of course, the Warriors, the highlight for us here, knocking over the Bulldogs. Uh, so plenty to come, including a stumped smithy at around about 11.30 this morning.
0: Sport is our religion. And here is Smithy Sermon.
1: Well, one of Hawke's Bay's favourite sons passed away over the weekend and Counties Manukau fans will also claim the great Bruce Robertson. He played 135 times in the stripes back in the day when they had numbers on the front and the back of the jersey. They were good Counties teams, really good. I only met him once briefly, but it's hard to find anyone to speak anything but complimentary about him. A great guy, a great teammate, a great centre and a great all-black from an immensely talented sporting family. Some might say he was Conrad Smith-like in his style. Others may say Conrad Smith was like Bruce Robertson. A thinking, calculating centre with an eye for a gap and an opportunity, but mistake-free footy. Wingers thrived outside him, Billy Osborne thrived inside him as well. They were a terrific combo. They were just a given as opposed to today's conundrum as New Zealand rugby selectors look to sort out its centre pairing. Is it Lennon-Brown and Goodyu? Is it Haveli and uh, Ioane? Or is it Geordie and RTS? Is RTS still in the frame? I mean, who is it? It was always Osborne and Robertson back in the late 70s, early 80s. No headaches there. And while the Chiefs hit a road bump on Friday night and an unlikely one in the Reds, Those Nuggets, oh, those Nuggets just carry on, don't they? Remember coach uh, Brad Thorne for the Reds uh, about a month ago, telling the world he's taken them as far as he can, so his time is up? Well, maybe it isn't, Brad. Uh, Certainly for Brent Matahari, his Otago roster, continue their role down in the Deep South. It just continues on. Who's going to stop their mighty Otago Nuggets? No one, it appears. And what will this mean for the mighty coach? A gig higher up, methinks. Yep, well, it's nose to the grindstone for the supersides It's back to back for the Nuggets, another Otago dynasty is confirmed. Radio. Uh, speaking of Otago dynasties, let's talk to uh, one of their favourite uh, sons, uh, Jeff Wilson. Of course, uh, former terrific Highlander and uh, Otago player, and also, of course, a terrific All Black these days, applying uh, his trade uh, with the microphone for Sky Sport. Of course, uh, of course, doing a great job on uh, the breakdown, of course, commentary and hosting duties as well. Jeff, good morning to you.
2: Good morning, Smitty. How are you going?
1: Oh, I'm going really well. Um, I was just doing a bit of a calculation. During the great uh, Bruce Robertson, Billy Osborne era, I think you'd have been about seven or eight. Any memories of those or any talk over the weekend of Bruce Robertson's passing?
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, And and more more importantly for us, uh, he was such a great man, uh, a great man to talk to and chat to, and I spoke to him on a number of occasions. And, look, growing up, um, you know, he was... He was it. He was the centre. He was the guy, you know, like he was um he had beautiful speed, wonderful skills, was a great, great player. and you know, before Conrad Smith he was the guy. And even then, you know, talked to that generation, um, my my parents' generation, my dad's generation, it was Bruce Robertson, the way that he played the game. So there was absolutely quite a bit of chat an absolute um tragedy to lose him. Uh, you know, of course our thoughts with the family, but you know, we'll always go down as a um a fantastic rugby player but a great bloke.
1: Yep, absolutely. Uh, terrific tribute there, yeah, Jeff. Uh, let's get into uh, the action on the field over the weekend. And that was uh, just a bit of a speed bump, wasn't it, for the Chiefs on uh, Friday night? I'm not sure anyone saw that coming uh, in New Plymouth, but it did.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was strange. It was, I mean, I was there, I was working on the game. It was great to be in New Plymouth, at Yarra Stadium. Um, the Reds came to play. Look, early, early on, you know, the Chiefs had a number of chances to just, I suppose you give them the old, the old saying, punch in the mouth, you know, like straight out of the gate, and they didn't take it. And you saw in the second 40 minutes that the Reds all of a sudden believed that they could get an upset. And um, Look, you take out some critical pieces to a puzzle. Now, no Sam masoni halt, no Sam Kane. There was no Brodie Retellick and Brad Weber. All of a sudden, I mean, there's a spine of your team. Now, a lot of the replacements, yes, have got talent, you know, have got experience. But when it came down to winning a close game like that, you sort of needed that little bit of extra punch and that little bit um, little bit more towards the end and you know, I think they'll be bitterly disappointed. I bumped into Sam Kane actually after the game and they were deeply upset the fact they hadn't got the job done. Has it put them under any real pressure? <clears throat> yeah, a little bit now because they've still got to play the Brumbies and you know they've still got a comfortable lead on top of the table but the you know, reality is their second to last game of the competition is against the team that's sitting just in behind them now and They'll have a job to do to make sure they get the job done, and that's that's a way in Canberra as well. So, so, all of a sudden, the context of you know um, where they're at. Good reality check, though, Smithy. That you can't rest mm. on your laurels. You can't. Um, I shouldn't say rest because a lot of players are getting plenty of that. Um, but you can't um, sit on your laurels. <laughs> You've got to go out there and make sure you prepare properly every game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I get your I get your point in the background there too, Jeff. Uh, very well made. <laughs> um, now here's a, a let's let's just can we just stay on the brumbies actually because the highlander was highlanders were there or thereabouts for about an hour yesterday, but they just faded away in that last quarter.
2: Um. Look, they still weren't very accurate, the Highlanders. I think the Brumbies will look at that game and go, oh, I think they'll count themselves very, very lucky because the Highlanders had a great opportunity to do exactly what the Reds have done, you know, to, to get yourself back in this competition. And they missed that. Um, there's just something not quite there this year for the Highlanders. And the group had shown and created enough, but they just didn't show that accuracy and intensity for the full 80. Um, I think this is more testament to the Brumbies. They're actually a, they're a pretty good side. You know, they're, they're pretty, they know who they are. Um, they play some really good football. Uh, they've got some, a little bit of X factor, which is, which is great for them, and, and they add something a little bit different to this competition out of Australia. So I, I do, I do like what they're doing, um, but they weren't, they weren't great either. Uh, they'll know they've escaped and, 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 and done well to get the result in the end.
1: Jeff, before we get to uh, the game that uh, I guess was the talking point going into the weekend and the Crusaders and the Blues, just a word: Hurricanes ruthless in the end, seventy-one twenty-two. I'm just, um, I'm quite, I'm more than slightly concerned about Moana Pacifica now. They sit at the bottom of the table, just three points. They were very close on a couple of occasions. But is it a case now? We know we're looking for three super coaches. Could we be looking for maybe four?
2: Oh, I'm deeply concerned. Um, and and it's not because they're not making and trying and making an effort because clearly they are. You watch these guys out there and they're and they're, they're giving it their every everything they can. I think they'll do a, a, a deep dive and big review. We love a review, but they need one after the season to to talk about the direction that they go and, and how they can get themselves into a position to be more competitive and what it is they're missing right now. And you know, there's some guys who got opportunities on the weekend, but look, they didn't. They started reasonably well. The, the Hurricanes sort of you could tell were a little bit relaxed uh, about um, the match even going into it there wasn't a great uh, great deal of I suppose intensity around the stadium and then when they started to get on their game it was one way traffic and that could, have been, that could have been a lot worse you know if the Hurricanes had come out absolutely firing so they'll have to look deeply Aaron Major and their crew and I think even the back room uh, and, and the, the board and everything else to start looking at where they're at now they're two years in um, look they've they, they made number of changes because pretty much they rolled out the same team for the first uh, 10 rounds, 10 games. And it, it was going to be a big ask for those guys to continue to play for, the, for three more weeks. So, look, I, I, yeah, I, I agree with you, Smithy. Um, they've got to look at something. And, and look, ultimately, um, you know, they're, they're, different. they're a different proposition than the Fiji and Drua. Drua had their own player base based coming out of Fiji. You know, most of these players are New Zealand players or playing in New Zealand, um, playing NPC, and they sort of play a similar style to everyone else. And, you know, I, I think there's a number of things they'll need to look at to to set them on the right path going forward because clearly it's not quite there yet.
1: No, clearly not. Absolutely Right, OK, let's uh, look at um, uh, the Crusaders 15, the Blues 3, in the process, uh, losing uh, Dalton Popoletti was not, good, not a good thing, uh, so early in the match, never a good thing at any stage, but to lose him at that point, uh, I think little doubt about that, Jeff, in all honesty?
2: Um, look, this was really interesting, sitting and watching it, actually. I was, in, I was in Wellington, I'd worked on the Wellington game, the Hurricanes game, and as I was watching this, it, whether or not it's because there's a familiarity between the two teams... But pretty much they just bludgeoned each other for 80 minutes. Um, the defences were dominant. It took a couple of plays in the Crusaders. Really, uh really um, nice piece of work from Cody Taylor off the back of a line-out drive. And then um, after a clear knock-on that was missed, the Crusaders got the buffer they needed to be able to shut out the game. If I had concerns, Smithy, there's a lot of quality players in both of those sides. And the attacking game and variation from both teams was lacking. And that's why we saw so few points. Um, the defences were just too dominant. So I think there's some question marks around, I think, both of those sides in terms of their attacking game. But a lot of that can be put down to a desperation uh, on both sides on the defensive side of the game. But, look, it just made it took a couple of plays. Um, this is a, a snapshot of what playoff rugby is going to be like. Um, you head to Christchurch, you're probably going to Hamilton. This is what you're facing.
1: Yeah, interesting. Okay, so do we... Let's look at uh, the centre pairings, and uh, I mentioned it before, on the back of uh, the Robertson and Osborne being such a constant. Where are we at, Jeff? in all honesty, do you think?
2: In the midfield, look, it was a really good evening for David Harvely and Braden Ennoy. You know, but, I mean, what, what uh, we had a chat on the breakdown last night to um, Jason Ryan, and, and you get the sense, and he even made a statement that, you know, um, international rugby is a significant step up from Super Rugby, and so for guys to play their way into the All Blacks worth form, they're going to have to have a really, really strong last five or six weeks now. If they've done some nice work up until now, they'll be in the conversation, but they've got to finish really strongly. So, look, Anton Leonard Brown is back out there, and he's a player that he does, from time to time, need a little bit of uh, rugby, some playing, but he, looked, he looks good. You know, he's the insurance policy of the All Blacks will have and need, with his experience, you're going to take him. David Harville, showed just with that one little touch on the weekend, with that dummy with the one-handed pass uh, that he didn't give, created some space. He started to, in the last couple of weeks, show some really good signs. And then, look, Johnny Barrett probably hasn't been as dominant um, as I would probably expect um, in, in some of his games so far, but um, he certainly last year showed in the All Black jersey. There's, there's no issues there. The one, the one concern, and, and and I'm not really concerned about Rico Iwani because he's playing in a team right now, which is not really giving him an opportunity to, to shine. He's not really seeing any space. They're not creating a lot for him, and like I say, they're being so direct, taking away from one of his greatest assets, and that's his speed. Um, and so I think it's very similar to Cade You know, they're not seeing opportunities. So I think we know who they are. I just think maybe from the two guys who started last year in the last few test matches in Barrett and Ioane, Um it would be probably nice just to see them having a couple of good breakout games and, and really just really confirm what we know about their ability.
1: Where do you think uh, Bowden Barrett is with his game? We've had a couple of texts saying that he's just pacing himself through uh, the season. Other people saying he made a mistake leaving the Canes in the first place. In World Cup year, um, with question marks over certain positions, where do you see Bowden Barrett at the moment?
2: Well, that's, I mean, look, that's a really, really difficult question because you have to have great faith, if, you know, and, and we're just relying heavily on his experience to, to come through and, and when he gets back into the All Blacks, be able to turn it on. Um, sometimes it's just not that easy. You know, and, and as a player, I know it myself when uh, you know uh, you go through periods where you're not being as impactful in a game as you'd like to be. He'll know that he's not being as impactful. Now, there was one brilliant moment where it could have turned the game and given the Blues an opportunity um, uh, on the weekend to beat the Crusaders with a, you know, a little chip kick, and then he kicks it again and, you know, um, bounces the ball, and he could have scored a wonderful try. But is that enough for us to have confidence that, oh, yeah, he can turn it on whenever he likes? And he can he manage a game? Um, this is the biggest challenge I think they have right now is selection in regards to actually not necessarily who's going to be in the squad, but who's going to start and what mm-hmm. is it their game? Are they going to just continue on with what they built on last year? But that would mean Bowden Barrett's at fullback, and at the moment, I, I just I just struggle I just struggle to to to, to see him and as this as a starting first five or fullback in comparison to other players who are out there. I find it hard to do that, you know. I think some guys have just shown more um, right now and, and and whether or not um, the All Black coaches see it that way, I don't know. But just for me, we need to see more from him, clearly, right?
1: Well, look, I, I totally agree. Um, and I, I also have got to ask the question because he's probably, as you well know, the most talked about player that isn't playing even at the moment, is uh, Roger Tuovasashek. Where are we with Roger Tuovasashek, Jeff, and, um, uh, you know, the, the Warriors gave him an early window to come back. Uh, I just wonder where the window is at the moment for rugby and Roger Tuovasashek to repay the compliment.
2: Yeah, look, I, I, I these are just conversations, I think um, the All Blacks should have with the Blues, the Blues should have with Roger and go, you know what, this is where you sit right now. I find it very difficult to believe he could be selected in the All Blacks if he's not playing, if he's not even in the 23 for the Blues. Um, you know, things just haven't quite worked out. He just hasn't had that long enough period of time, I think, to develop the skills you need for the highest level. And He's given it a decent crack, and, you know, at the moment, if the Blues are in a position where they're seeing better options for them, not just in the starting lineup, but on the bench then surely, surely they need to be honest about where he's, he's sitting. And the, the only challenge for the Blues is, is that, you know, they'd probably like to have him there as insurance, right? Just in case they lost someone. And, you know, if, if Harry Plummer or Liko Ioane or, you know, if, if Bruce team went down, I think they'd like to have him there. Um, but is that is that good for, for Roger? I mean, the one thing he is, I'll say this about him, he's a great professional. And if they think they need him and they have the conversation and he he'll, he'll stay on task he'll keep working and he, wherever he goes look I, I i believe um he needs to he needs to get a crack you know um and if he went back to the warriors i think that would be good for them as well
1: i do too i really do i think um really speaking uh you know your heart sometimes Uh, your heart follows your mind in terms of where your future is and we know where his future is Uh, okay just uh, just finally uh, Jeff uh, your other pet subject of course so one of many um, is basketball Celtic 76 uh, 76 is 58 so it looks like they're going to win game seven Uh, who's your team and what are you thinking NBA
2: well, Boston's my team, and I just had it on pause. So I didn't know that because I just paused at half. Oh, time. sorry. So I'm speak to you. Just... <laughs> I should have told you that. Look, I'm, I'm just really stoked. I mean, um, stoked that um, we're seeing the best out of LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Boston's my team. I'm hoping they can get through this one um, yeah. because Boston, Miami will, be, Miami will be awesome. But the Lakers, Nuggets. I mean, it, it, sometimes there are, you know, like it was, I remember, you know, it was getting to the end of Michael Jordan's career. And, and he, he wasn't having, he wasn 't having a real impact, impact on the NBA when he was with the washington wizards we 're now we 're seeing LeBron James at the age of thirty eight um, with this group and with this team have another crack at an NBA championship sometimes if' you're, if you 're a fan of a sport like I am, I, I just want to see the best players play for as long as i can and, and that 's what we 're getting with the NBA and go boston i 'll go and catch up on the game
1: <laughs> okay good luck mate um, i won 't tell you the score again uh, so here you go chief uh, <laughs> <Jeff> function. <laughs> <laughs> jeff wilson thank you very very much for your summation i always enjoy your very open and honest views uh, as i do in the breakdown and everything else mate so thank you very much uh, for your time enjoy game seven i think you might all right thanks very
2: much Milly. always
1: a pleasure cheers, cheers uh, jeff wilson there um, coming in with his thoughts on super rugby over the weekend so what did you make of all that um a lot of people have had a lot of thoughts about the fact that it's uh, uh, time's up for Roger Tuovasashek, I totally agree. If you can't make the 23 for the Blues for a crucial game against the Crusaders, if you're not seen as being in the mix for that, I've got to be thinking. Um, really? Um, you know, your time's probably up, to be honest. Um, and then, of course, um, maybe uh, the older people in the audience uh, might... Might be able to just give a quick uh, text on uh, maybe what Bruce Robertson was for them back in the uh, late 70s, early 80s. The combination with Billy Osborne, just how damn good it was. So we'd love to hear from you if uh, there's a chance on that as well. Warriors over the weekend, double what'd you think? Away to the Bulldogs, got the job done. I don't think they were really ever in the, going down the stretch ever in any danger of losing. They looked mighty good there. So double eight, double three is our text number. Any issues that you'd like uh, to bring up, we shall read them out. It is 9.23 here on SENZ. Earl
3: winter, winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
1: Yes, uh, it's now 80 to 58. Sorry, Geoff Wilson, 80 to 58. Uh, the Boston Celtics uh, with 2 minutes 39 to go in the third quarter. Looks as if uh, the Celtics will be marching on. Right, uh, let's uh, have a look at uh, a couple of texts. Dino's come in, uh, bloody perfect, back in the 70s at work, consistently selected, so why has rotation become a false belief that it works? The only change to that pairing was, I believe, better than the the late Joe Morgan. Even Bill Osborne told me Joe was amazingly simply because he saw holes in defences that no one else did. Um, Also coming in from Steve. Good morning, Smithy. My thoughts go out to Bruce Robertson's family. To me, he's the greatest centre I have ever seen. Conrad not far behind. Unlike these days where we have to turn players into centres, he was a natural. Loved the way he seemed to glide around the paddock in his silky skills. Rest in peace, Bruce. A terrific tribute and a great observation too. Um, Steve, thank you very much for that. Glenn says, good morning, Smithy. Regarding RTS, I think he should keep playing hard. If he finishes the season well, he could still go to the World Cup. He will only get better, and no one knows how injuries will affect the midfield. Look at Beaver in 2011. Don't give up, Roger. Good observation too, Glenn. It is 9.30 here on SENZ. Time for some news. Uh, When we come back, we might uh, talk a bit of footy, I reckon. The beautiful game, because it's getting so interesting. It really is here on scnz please keep those texts coming in there's some nice little tributes coming in uh, for bruce robertson and uh, we'll read them out please uh, the older people in the audience will remember bruce robertson and bill osborne together uh, they were absolutely fantastic but a joe morgan in there as well but bruce robertson um was absolutely fantastic so uh, just uh, text us on double eight double three uh the other thing you could text us on is uh, roger to Sheikh because we've got um I guess, conflicting interests there in terms of whether he should stay uh, with rugby and hang in there and you just never know with uh, injuries, etc. And boy, have they had injuries in the midfield. No doubt about that. Uh, He may well sneak in the back door of uh, that World Cup squad being named, oh, I guess around about uh, September or August September, he might just want to hang in there, which means uh, he might have to end up playing um, a little bit of uh, NPC rugby for Auckland as well to stay uh, rugby fit as such. Or should, um, should he just um, jump the fence now? And I'm not quite sure uh, whether he can just go straight in. I know there's a place in the squad still. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're holding an open space, the, war- uh, the Warriors. Uh, whether there's any problem with them going across there, I do not know. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll wait and see if we can get anything more on that. Um, Okay Ricardo Ball Come on in please Because let's talk some football Leeds 2, Newcastle 2 Southampton 0, Fulham 2 Chelsea 2, Forest 2 Villa 2, Spurs 1 Hopeless Manchester United 2, Wolves 0 Crystal Palace 2, Bournemouth 0 And this morning Games of real interest Everton 0, in trouble Manchester City 3, dominant Uh, Brentford 2, West Ham 0 Uh, And then another one, I think, which has sealed their fate as well. Arsenal 0, Brighton 3. So, three matches this morning. And... uh that uh, places everyone quite precariously. I, I think Manchester City at the top, but the bottom is a real interest. Yeah, bottom is really interesting,
4: Smithy. That result for Southampton at home uh, against Fulham, two, losing 2-0, has condemned them. They, they, they're gone now. They can't stay up. So Southampton are 11 years in the Premier League is done. They'll be a championship side next season. And you, you can't really argue it either. I was just looking at some of the stats. Uh, I mean, they've played 36 games this season, Smithy, in the, in the Premier League. <laughs> uh, they have only... They, uh, they they have uh, only um, managed to get something out of a third of those games. So they've won and drawn 12, and they've lost 24. Uh, you can't lose 24 games out of 36 and expect to stay up.
1: No, you, you certainly cannot. Um, and, you know, uh, I remember the story of Leicester was absolutely fantastic. I think it's about seven years ago now when Jamie Vardy was absolutely um, on fire. He's still there trying to dig them out of a hole here and it's not looking good and they have a massive game tomorrow with Liverpool.
4: Yeah they do, they've, uh, you know it's really it's a game at hand that they have on all the others that are down there as well so they really need to get something out of this game they are at home uh, I mean, and their finish is tough right, so they've got Liverpool at home, then they're away at Newcastle next weekend and they finish at home to West Ham, that could be a crucial game West Ham probably going to be safe by then and potentially will have a Euro- European final on their books as well so that might be one that they target three points from but I think they need to get something else out of the two games before that as well.
1: Okay, so we're really, this is how it shapes up down the bottom. Southampton done and dusted uh, 24. No, no worries there, they're, they're gone. Uh, Leicester sit uh, with a, a game in hand, as you say, uh, on 30 points. Leeds one point above them, having played a game more. And then you're looking at uh, Everton, who precariously are placed uh, with two games to go on 32. Forest 34. West Ham probably safe, as you say, but uh, so Forrest, Everton, leads Leicester. That's the way it looks to me. Yeah, it looks that way, mate. And, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, Everton,
4: I don't think ever realistically thought they were going to get anything out of Manchester City today, right? Uh, so their, their focus will be on, on what's to come. And what's to come for them? Well, they've got Wolves away who are safe for the season they might be on the beach uh, a little bit and then they finish at home to Bournemouth, another team nothing to play for, no European uh, distractions and uh, they are safe as well, they may also be as I say, you know, on the beach so I, th- I think Everton can get points uh, from what they've got to come, Leeds though, interesting they are away at West Ham their next game that could be a crucial game for both clubs and they finish at yeah. home they finish at home to Spurs
1: well, I mean, goodness me, Spurs do so many sides' favours. <laughs> 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 and, and I mean, for Spurs, I mean, in all honesty, yeah, Spurs fans uh, absolutely probably one of the most frustrated bunch of fans in the world, uh, to be perfectly honest. But uh, I've had managerial issues this year, as have uh, Chelsea had managerial issues. What are the situations there? Do you have any inside info? Yeah well it looks like uh, the former Spurs boss uh, Pochettino, Mauricio Pochettino is going to go
4: to Chelsea uh, looks all but done, hasn't officially been announced yet, Sky Sports UK are reporting it though so when it gets to that point uh, that they're reporting it, it's just a matter of time, so Pochettino he's not going to come in this season so Frank Lampard will finish the season as boss uh, interim boss there at Chelsea and then Pochettino will be will begin now and he will start working with the board on the players he wants to keep, players he wants to sell etc and then come in the first of June and and take over the club. Spurs, though, on the other hand, uh, no idea, uh, because I don't think they have any idea. I mean, their, their sporting uh, director, um, Peter Ticci, uh, who came from Juventus, has been caught up in the scandal that uh, Juventus have been involved in as well, and he's been banned by FIFA from all football, so he's had to step down. So they don't have a sporting director at the moment. Uh, and they don't seem to be able to attract anybody who wants to manage the club and a lot of it is down to what's going to happen with Harry Kane he's got a year left on his deal with Spurs Uh, the a club is saying that if he wants to leave or if anybody wants to buy him, he's going to cost $100 million, which I don't know that anybody's going to pay $100 million for a 29-year-old one year left on his deal, regardless of how many goals he scores. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see what happens there. But the latest is Julian Nagelsmann, who was the Bayern boss and a lot of people thought was nailed on to be the next Spurs boss, apparently hasn't even talked to Spurs and isn't being considered, which is interesting. The latest I've heard is that Ryan Mason, who's the currently the 31-year-old academy coach who came through the Spurs ranks and had to retire early because of a skull fracture, uh, is being considered as uh, being put in charge of the team uh, for next season, um, which I think if you're a Spurs fan, it's a great story. And Ryan Mason's playing it up, saying Eddie Howe was 31 when he took over Bournemouth. Um, mm. I, I, I think that would be hugely underwhelming. And the other thing that you've got to think about is players. You know, How do you attract players with him as manager? often you need to have a big-name manager to attract the best players. So if they don't find an answer to this and they go with Ryan Mason, it could be a few lean years coming
1: uh, Spurs' way. Oh, great. Thanks for that. Uh, okay. Thanks for the heads up. Hey, any right. us uh, yeah, OK, let's look at uh, your side then. Uh, at this stage, you're uh, third equal with Newcastle, fourth on goal difference at mm. this point, um, with Liverpool four points behind. Now tell us the significance of finishing fourth and fifth.
4: The significance of finishing fourth is you're in the Champions League. Fifth, you're in the Europa League. Okay, so there's that, which is, you obviously, that, that spells it out for itself. Um, and, and, and the money is, a, is, is big. It's a big difference between playing Europa League and playing Champions League. But the other thing that it does is it... Means that if you play Europa League, you tend to play on a Thursday, which means you don't tend to get too many Saturday games during the season. You end up playing Sundays a lot, so you end up playing what you know—that's Friday morning New Zealand time, Monday morning New Zealand time—versus playing Saturdays, and that throws things out of whack uh, in terms of cup competitions, in terms of in terms of the season in general. A lot of clubs find it hard to compete in the league if they're playing Europa League, particularly if they go deep. So uh, that is uh, something to watch. There as well because uh, it's a, there's a lot of games and uh, if you're having to play that way uh, and then you're thrown an FA Cup draw as well, um, it can be just too much. We've seen that I think with United uh, at times this season. The Thursday to Sunday grind has just gotten too much at times.
1: Mm, right, okay, uh, that is a situation in the uh, EPL. Whilst the uh, Rexham, I think, are in Las Vegas partying. <laughs> last I heard, <laughs> what a st- what a story that is. I mean, okay, the. Uh, it's just a, a fantastic, fantastic story.
4: Oh, it's a great story. And I'm looking forward to season two of Welcome to Wrexham because that, that is going to be absolutely blinding. i uh, will be interesting to see what they do next year. I've actually heard that Tom Glover, who is the Melbourne City keeper, who's been very, very good in the A-League this year, made some outstanding saves uh, through the season. Uh, he's had a contract at the end of the season. I've heard that he's got a pre-contract deal with Wrexham. To go there, um, so that would suggest that if he's going to go there, maybe Ben Foster doesn't uh, uh, continue his comeback from retirement. It's just a, a you know a few months done and dusted, and he goes back to retirement. The uh, former England keeper uh, who's been helping Rex him out, but uh, so that is something. But yeah, they'll be in League Two next season. I mean, they've already got about four or five players that have played as high as League One before, Smithy. Um, Mm. So I think they're well equipped and you know we've seen quite a few teams who have gone out of the National League, as it's called, into League Two and then gone straight up to League One as well. And I reckon Rexham are odds on to probably do the same next season.
1: The Sting seems to have gone out of the A-League as soon as Phoenix uh, left uh, in terms of losing the playoffs to uh, Adelaide. Uh, you better just give us a quick update on where that sits because uh, I'm, I'm guilty also of uh, turning off it a wee bit. Yeah, no worries. Uh, well
4: so Adelaide who beat the Phoenix uh, uh, what, what happened then is basically you got to the final four then it goes to home and away, semi-finals. Uh, so Adelaide hosted the Central Coast Mariners who finished second in the uh, regular season uh, and lost 2-1 in Adelaide on the weekend so they've got to go up to the uh, the Central Coast and, and get a result this weekend if they want to st- uh, have a crack at the A-League Grand Final. And the other two Teams of Sydney FC and Melbourne City. They played out a one-all draw in Sydney on the weekend, so they go back to Melbourne uh, this weekend. And you'd have to say that you uh, you put City as favourites in that one. Uh, it'd be interesting to see if Adelaide get through this though, because the A League, of course, Smithy uh, have done a deal with Sydney to play the next three grand finals in Sydney. And uh, there's every chance it's Adelaide versus Melbourne City in Sydney um, for the grand final, which would be interesting
1: to see how what sort of effect that is on the crowd. Absolutely brilliant, fantastic. Okay, thanks that, Ricardo for that round the houses and uh, really uh, appreciate that. I can tell you that um, Jason Day fans, uh, and he's got plenty of them around the world. He's an immensely popular golfer from Australia. He has just won the Byron Nelson, uh, the latest leg on the PGA Tour. His first win for quite some time. He's had terrible injuries, back injuries in particular, uh, but he has uh, hung, hung in and hung tough there to win by one shot from uh, S.W. Kim and a player who I don't know too much about with the surname Ekroat, We'll find out more about him. and it's then C.T. Pan and Scotty Scheffler, who was a bit wayward coming down the stretch. So, great news for Jason Day fans, Australian golf fans, and the latest in the basketball, I think the 76ers have hung their queue up, to be perfectly honest, uh, because it's the Celtics 93, and the 76ers 68. Done, I think you have to say. Stick a fork in them. It's 944 ...here on SENZ.
0: Service needs to help you succeed in your field.
3: Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in our Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
5: You got to know when to hold up, know when to fold up. Smithies multi. Know when to walk away, and know when to run.
6: Bet live on your favourite sports.
0: Download the TAB app today.
1: Well, we got three out of four over the weekend. The Warriors, yes, beat the Bulldogs. The Panthers beat the Roosters. The Brumbies beat the Highlanders, but Breve lost to Cast, and uh, they lost by three points. So that was a dollar forty last leg. So we missed out on a five dollar multi there. So today and uh, tomorrow we've got uh, teams in action tonight as well, actually. Uh, so we've got uh, Liverpool to beat Leicester. I don't think uh, Leicester got much hope there. Uh, Liverpool to beat Leicester. They'll be playing out of desperation. Dollar fifty three. Uh, I've got a Monday night Nitty bet. Uh, don't mind a bit of Monday night Nitty. Uh, the Steel gets the Stars tonight, and I'm going for under 107.5 goals. Under 107.5 goals at a dollar 85. Uh, and in uh, IPO action, the Gujarat Titans to beat the Sunrisers Hyderabad. Gujarat to beat the Sunrisers at a dollar 60. The return for that would be four dollars 40. Uh, some wonderful texts coming in. Uh, Re uh, Bruce Robertson. Um, yeah I mean immensely popular Richard has said um, as an avid counties fan growing up as a young fella BJ Robertson was an absolute idol and still is he formed a great combo with another Hawks Bay product and Graham Taylor at second five I remember him having a great battle against BG at uh, Pukki Stadium uh, when he happened to be playing centre for Auckland the biggest NPC crowd ever 49,000 people uh, at uh, Eden Park it was a shield game Uh, 1979. Crucially, BJ got injured in the first 15 minutes and counties ended up losing 11-9. A legendary game in counties folklore. Also, he was brought up, brought in as a tour replacement against Australia in 1980 and uh, you may remember that as well. So, yeah, thanks very much uh, for that, Richard, and keep them coming in. Happy to read them out uh, and there's uh, more, more for that purpose too. 951 here on SENZ.
0: Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa.
3: This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
1: Yeah, the Celtics lead by 30 now. There was uh, no coming back, 108 to 78 with uh, just under four minutes to go in the final quarter. So uh, that's through. And uh, look, really looking forward to uh, talking a bit of basketball actually yeah, coming up after 10 o'clock with uh, Mark Hinton. Of course, Mark is a uh, senior stuff sports writer and uh, he's got a real passion for basketball. So uh, we will talk uh, to him at length about uh, what he's seen in the Sales uh, NBL, of course, and uh, also uh, what he has uh, seen really in terms of uh, the NBA and the matchup between uh, Jokic. Uh, the big uh, the big man for um uh, for the Denver Nuggets uh, against Anthony Davis the big man for the Lakers uh, that'll be interesting coming up I think game one in that series tips off uh, on Wednesday our time uh, Graham uh, from Marlborough formerly from Northland of course uh, Monty Smithy I'm really hacked off with RTS situation there was a time when the black jersey was sacred now a guy can come and play 30 minutes of rugby and be handed an all-back jersey. Uh, just had uh, JK saying 18, 18 months to get uh, RTS into the All Blacks. Now he's saying let him go uh, back to uh, the league. Sick of hearing what uh, they think. Just imagine the players who could have benefited from uh, being in an All Blacks environment like Alex Nankerville, Thomas Umanga jensen and the like. We wonder why we get beaten by Ireland and Argentina. Really disappointed in ZRU and some of the decisions they are making. Yes, it is, uh, Graham. Uh, it was an experiment, wasn't it? Uh, we tried it with uh, Benji Marshall too. Uh, that was in uh, Sir J.K.'s era, actually. Uh, this one is not, of course. Uh, this is uh, the Leon McDonald era. Uh, but for all intents and purposes, it hasn't worked to the extent, and you make a good point, actually, uh, about uh, the, the Nankavals, the Thomas Umunga Jensen's of the world, who may well have, in the upper echelon with uh, that level of coaching, etc., that level of attention and opportunity uh, may have been even finer players than they are now. Got uh, an interesting uh, thing to, th- to think about. Uh, Jeff has come in and said often a bunch of us at North Waikato College would uh, wag school for the afternoon and drive to Pukekohe in a standard 10 <laughs> just to see big winger Pat Yates being put away by Bruce Robertson. Great running rugby. Uh, that was a team, the counties back in those days, don't worry about that. Uh, Kevin has said, morning Smithy, sad loss of Bruce Robertson, he was the best all black centre he ever saw yep Um, uh, he always looked in total control of his opponent, his swerve around a player was brilliant his wingers were in heaven with uh, with Bruce inside of them of course just putting them away with overlaps as I said Smithy, he was simply the best RIP, great one, that's from Kevin from Tatarangi yep, well we'll be talking to uh, Mark Hinton after 10 o'clock basketball and then we'll have a panel too uh with Andrew Gordy and Graham Beasley But a real focus on uh, basketball we've got the sales NBL be able to talk about And the NBA playoffs and uh, what's coming up in there, as I tell you that it is uh, Boston 112, Philadelphia 76 is 86 with just 25 seconds left on the clock with uh, all the bench players out on court. So uh, that has been a a really good story for the Boston Celtics winning game seven. But uh, Mark good morning to you. First of all can we focus in on uh, the NBL, the South's NBL and uh, our Nuggets, uh, the SENZ Nuggets uh, continue this unbeaten run.
7: Yeah, what a fabulous season they're having, and uh, for the uh, you, you back the right horse this year with them. Um, well, of course they're defending champions, uh, and they've just continued on their remarkable run from from late last season. Um, uh, and really, no one picked them. This is the surprising thing about it. Um, I was involved in some sort of preview um, tips with various other people, and, and and none of us were really picking the Nuggets to to feature this year, just because. Um, you know, it just seemed like their, their roster wasn't quite as strong. They were missing a few key components from last year. Um, other teams seem to have gotten better. Well, what did we know? What a start they've made. Absolutely remarkable. and Undefeated in a, in a really tight league to come out of the blocks um, and win their first seven games. 7-0, and o, top of the table. And it's a South Island-dominated NBL because the Canterbury Rams are hard on their heels at 6-1. and one. But Absolutely fabulous start by the Nuggets, and and a lot of credit goes to that organisation and to Coach Brett Matahari For the group is put together, um, and the way they play, they're hard nosed on defence. They crash the boards well. Um, you know they they play they're playing the game the right way, and they're continuing to just uh, um, kick butt and take names. At the weekend, they um, had a. Um, their seventh consecutive win was against uh, no, no less a team than the Wellington Saints, a very good team. Um, as we all know, their, sto- their story history in this league was well, the Nuggets whooped them 103.94 and kept things rolling. So, um, yeah, you, the SCNZ Otago Nuggets are the team to beat, no doubt, now. Not that anyone picked it at the start of the year, Smithy.
1: Well, the Rams is a good story too. Um, they got up uh, over the Nelson Giants, uh, 82-74 at the weekend, and they're on a nice roll.
7: Yes, they are. And um, they have a really nicely balanced roster. Um, some good Kiwi players in uh, big man Ty Winyard, Max Darling, Taylor Britt, Walter Davidson, um some three good imports, two of whom they bring off the bench. Um, just a really solid team and as we know with all Canterbury teams in the New Zealand MBR they defend well, you know, they play, they look after the ball, they they do the basics of the game well. Their problem, Smithy, is they're about to lose Ty Winyard, there. big guy in the middle who's playing really well, fish off another double double at the weekend. Um he's going to China to play In a big money three on three league up there, um, and he's about to leave. I think he might have one more round to play, and then he's going to leave. So, how well the Rams sort of handle his departure, uh, who they replace him with, or you know, even if they can replace him, I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, It's going to leave a big hole in their in their sort of team as they go into the business end of the season. So. A few question marks around the Rams, but they're travelling very well. They're, they're knocking hard on the heels of, of of the Nuggets and look the team to test them. But don't discount a couple of the Auckland teams, the Franklin Bulls mm. and the Auckland Tuatara. They're, they're travelling all right. you know. right. have they uh, They're the only two other teams in the league with a winning record um, starting to get things rolling. The Auckland tu- Tuatara have just got a, a kid back from college in America, Cruz Parrot Hunt, um, uh, who will add a lot. To them, and uh, they've got a nicely balanced squad as well. So plenty to play out yet, Smithy, and you know injuries, departures, things like that, and one or two fresh names coming in, and of course a big name coming in down in Southland. Alex Pledger. Well, how good will it be to see him back in the NBL?
1: What a great story that is. What a, a terrific story that is for that big man.
7: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for those who don't know it, a couple of years back, uh, diagnosed with. Um, you know, uh, colorectal cancer, um, and he's been through that battle. Uh, he was talking me through it the other week. Um, just a massive, you know, more or less a year of, of radiation treatment, of chemotherapy, of actual surgery to rip out the, um, you know, the, the bits that needed to be sort of <laughs> attended to. Um, and he, the, this young man is, uh, well, not such a young man anymore. I think he's 35, but this man has... Um, um, been through it all and, and decided now he's healthy, you know, he's been given the all-clear from his doctors, he wants to he wants to go out on his on his terms, you know, what a fantastic story, so he's going to come back for the Sharks Big 7-footer Alex Pledge, we all know him the Chief, uh, won championships with the Breakers, has uh, been a great fixture for the Tall Blacks over the years and he's going to come back onto the NBL courts and play his last season on his terms and I think uh, it'll be dripping with emotion, Smithy, when he re- returns for the Sharks at the end of this month
1: it certainly will. But, um, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. As it, uh, it is a terrific story, as you say. You were a bit worried about uh, where the
7: Saints are at. Um, traditional slow starters in recent years. Um, so they're um, yeah. You, I, I think they've made a little bit of a correction um, and I think they'll probably you know work their way into that top six. Where do they sit now? They're um, Two and five uh, uh, in the tight league We're uh, It's three and four So they're really only one win off Getting into that top six And as we know, get into that top six You know, you're a champ So um, they've, they've sort of upgraded their roster But they're not playing the basketball that, that they need to just yet But you never count the Saints out They've got a, got a, got a good group of guys there Headed by some strong Kiwi players And the likes of Towie uh, Smith Milner um, Tom Vodanovic uh, and of course Isaiah Leafe has come in, so they've got a good group to work with. They're sort of still figuring out a few things. Um, I expect them to be there about uh, the business end of the season, but um, they don't carry the sort of momentum that these southern teams do. So they're going to have to find that over the back half of the season.
1: Rightio oh, uh, just as an overall perspective, um, Mark, I just wonder with. Uh, The Bay of Plenty Stingrays coming in, Queenstown due to enter the comp uh, next year. Um, If the import levels stay the same, do we have the depth to sustain the standard uh, of the NBL?
7: Well, that's going to be interesting, isn't it? Um, There's there's 10 teams at the moment, and you have to say it's it's a very good league. This is the way Justin Nelson's designed it. Um, and I know he now works for Sky, and he's not part of the official league now, but effectively Sky run the New Zealand NBL through their sort of partnership. Um, and, and the way Justin design, designed this league, uh, it, it's, it's all about parity and, and competitiveness and, 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 and all those sort of things that go into what makes, you know, it's what makes the NRL so good. Um, you know, on, on their day, the bottom team can beat the top team, all that sort of thing. And I think that we've got a New Zealand NBL like that. So to add two more teams to uh, the mix is going to be a risk. There's no doubt it's going to dilute the New Zealand talent. Uh, it, it can't help but do that. And it's going to, you know, and, and is there the money to go around to fund another two teams? You know, there's a lot of question marks. It's a, it's a risky move. But You look at where they're going into two growth areas of New Zealand. They want to take the game to the regions, Well, Queenstown and Bay of Plenty are two strong regions in New Zealand now, aren't they? So, um, you know, you like the fact they're getting the game around. There's a lot of up- upside to it, a lot of positives, but just the doubt will be whether the New Zealand talent is there um, to to cover two more teams. We don't, we, you know, we don't want this league to be diluted. It's a good, strong, balanced league at the moment. So, yep. Some question marks, but you can see the upside to why why they're expanding. They're going into two exciting areas to take basketball, uh, you know, the NBL too.
1: Right, uh, let's uh, head overseas if we can, Mark. Uh, a lot of yeah. eyes on uh, television this morning. And the Celtics absolutely blitzing the 76ers, making no race of it, putting it to bed pretty early on in the piece to confirm their matchup uh, with the Miami Heat, Jimmy Butler and co. So how do you see that game going?
7: Uh, well it was a, it was a real um beat down in Beantown, shall we say today Smithy a game you know the, what do they say the two greatest words in american sport game seven it just it, it just didn't eventuate as a contest because the celtics took this one over in the third quarter i think it was 55 all early in the third and then the the uh, celtics just went on an amazing run um 33-10 in the third period and just put the 76 is to bed. We, we we're not surprised about this. I think this was the Celtics' fifth, or well, this is now their fifth appearance in the Eastern Conference Final in the last seven years. You almost expect them to be there. Um, they're a very good team. But they were down 3-2 in this series, and, and if you remember last year, they were down 3-2 against the Milwaukee Bucks and came back to win it. So, but, you know, they've got a history of, of kind of coming through these tight moments, and so today's result probably was expected. In a way, uh, there was high hopes that Joel Embiid and J- and James Harden could lead the 76ers um, into the Eastern Conference Finals, but it just never eventuated. Jason Tatum was incredible, fifty one points. I think that's a uh, <laughs> beg your pardon, a ga- uh, NBA record for Game Seven scoring outburst. He just, if you if you remember Game Six, Jason Tatum missed eleven shots in a row, was his first eleven shots of the game, and the uh, Celtics were struggling, and then he came right just when it really mattered and and started to make a few shots late and got them over the line to win Game 6 to send this to Game 7, then comes out in Game 7 and gets 51 on um, uh, just an, an incredible performance by one of the NBA's best, best players, uh, uh, Jason Tatum, anyone who knows him. Um, what was he, uh, 17 to 28 from the floor, 6 to 10 from 3, just could not miss at one stage. 51 points, incredible. A storied franchise for Celtics and no one's ever scored more in a Game 7 for them. Um, No one's ever scored more in an NBA game seven than this today. So um, wonderful performance. You know, these big moments bring out great performances, and today's was one of them. And you have to make the Celtics a heavy, heavy favourite to win the East now. Miami's, uh, both Miami and the LA Lakers are in the Western Conference Final with um, the Denver Nuggets. Uh, Both Miami and LA have come through the play-in tournament to make the Conference Final, so that shows you the success that has had. And if you think about where... um, you know uh, where both Miami and LA have come from this year. LA started the Lakers started the season two and ten, and at one stage was 13th in the West, and here they are in the Western Conference Finals. So, um, a couple of great matchups, but I, I make the Celtics heavy favourites to beat Miami. Although Miami have that toughness about them, Jimmy buckets gets, does get buckets. Uh, it mm. looks like the Celtics are just too well balanced for them, and then uh, I'd make them the favourites against the Lakers. I'd love to see a Lakers-Celtics Finals brings back memories from the 80s and um, those wonderful series that they were involved in. But um, I I would not be surprised at all to see Denver behind the wonderful uh, Nikola Jokic, a player you absolutely have to watch because he's got the most uh, unique set of skills I've seen in the NBA for a long, long time. Um, I I think a Denver-Boston final will be something special, and I think that's probably what we're headed towards.
1: Ooh, interesting prediction there So I i do i do think uh, Djokic will uh, will have his way Against Anthony Davis But there is that LeBron factor I, I just think Djokic's physical strength and power um, Is just uh, Anywhere near the rim Is just going to be too much I think for Anthony Davis
7: Yes, and they're a very well balanced team And they're very hard to beat at home Denver um, playing at altitude they're, I don't think they've lost a game These playoffs at home um, they had the they uh, the best record in the in the Western Conference. Um so they're very hard to beat at home. That's gonna to be tough for LA and just the Lakers are it's been an incredible run they've been on coming out of the play in tournament to then win those series against Memphis and then um uh in, in the semifinals. Uh they've they've their role players have really stood up. Guys like Austin Reeves, um Lonnie Walker the four, um, you know, Rui has had a big game. So LeBron and AD are getting the support, but can they continue against a very well-balanced Denver Nuggets team? I mean, Jokic is playing incredible basketball. You talk about his strength and his size, and, and it is amazing, but probably his biggest attribute, Smithy, if you watch him, is his touch. Inside, he makes these just a series of little runners, um, little open sort of shots from about 10 to 15 feet. It, he makes them look um, just routine when they're really hard shots, the absolute touch shots. He just makes, you know, sort of 80% of them. Um, Incredible player. Um, And also with it, a great passer and a tremendous rebounder. Uh, I think he's had three or four triple doubles already in his playoffs. Just just making it happen. So, yeah, AD Anthony Davis uh, neutralizes Jokic a little bit. I think he's probably an ideal guy to go up against him because he's long and athletic and big enough um, and quick enough to probably stay with him. But um, Denver 's supporting cast is very, very solid, very solid they 've got a, and Jamal Murray, a, a guard on uh, you know he's come back to his very very best after a couple of years plagued by injury. So mm. I just give Denver the balance and the depth of their squad, and, and that home factor um, I think is probably going to see them home probably in six in this series
1: great, uh, great analysis, uh, Mark, I uh, can tell you. You really love your your basketball. Um, Fantastic um, to have you with us uh, this morning, summing up those things. Have a terrific day and thank you.
7: Yeah, no problem. No worries, Smithy. See you, mate.
1: Cheers. Um, Mark Hinton there with a really in-depth look at um, those playoffs coming up Uh, and, of course, a great review of uh, the South's NBL, where we're at at this stage. Still relatively early doors there, uh, but there are some trends developing and notably uh, the Nuggets at the top. And uh, one or two of the sides uh, just battling a wee bit with their uh, rosters. It's 10.18. We have a panel coming up next.
3: Tearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on NZ
0: Big talk, big opinions, the
3: panel.
7: Talk, talk, talk to me, yeah.
3: Yeah. Graham
1: Beasley with us this morning and uh, Andrew Gordy, uh, of course... Um, John Kerwin, uh, Sir John Kerwin, uh, Andrew Gordy, has said it's in everyone's best interest now for uh, Roger to have asked a check to be released back to rugby right now. Uh, wasn't in the blue squad to face Crusaders at the weekend. so uh, or the writing on the wall there for RTS, do you agree with Sir John?
8: It feels like it, doesn't it, Smitty? Um I, I, I do agree with him because, look, if, if the whole point of Roger remaining in rugby... Is to see out his commitment to his own goal, I suppose, which is to play for the for the All Blacks at a World Cup. I think the writing's on the wall here, and there's and there's I think there's a pragmatic pragmatic step to be taken. The writing on the wall is that you can't play for the All Blacks at a World Cup if you, if you're not good enough to sorry not good enough if you're not being selected to play for your Super Team. It's as simple as that. Um, there's, there's no way that just to justify that selection from Ian Foster's point of view um, if, if Leon McDonald can't justify having him in his match day squad. Now look, there's still several weeks of this competition still to go. This situation might change. We don't know, I suppose, exactly what um, is going on behind the scenes at the Blues, but you'd like to think that maybe questions are being asked um, because... If, if Roger knows what his future is now, we all know what Roger's future is, and he can help out the Warriors this season, then I think it's in everyone's best interest to at least ask that question. Um, I suppose the other point, the, the significant point to ask, ask here is, can the Warriors actually get him? Um, can they afford him? Uh, do they have room in their salary cap to simply add him to their roster this year? Um, that's the other big part of this equation for me. So yeah, lots of questions that need to be answered.
1: Mm, okay, Graham Beasley, what's your take on it?
5: Yeah, I mean, I think the last point that Andrew made is the is the key one is whether whether the Warriors can can fit him under the salary cap for the rest of the season. I suppose, I mean, I was hearing you talking to Jeff Wilson earlier on. There is the issue of the Blues wanting him there as cover. Um, in case someone goes goes down with injury, so I can see that that would be one reason why they may not be keen in letting him go. Um, but I suppose the compromise there would be he stays with the Blues until the end of um, Super Rugby, so that's what another four to five weeks, um, assuming the Blues don't make the final, um, and then maybe he goes over to the Warriors at that stage. And you know, there'd still be a significant chunk of the um, of the NRL season to go. Um, you know at the
1: um at the start of june yeah interesting uh it is a great debate i've got to say um of all the text um the texts that come in i would say roger to and the issue around him and his uh, selection and all sorts of things would occupy i'd say a third of them there you go that would be my conservative guess bring up rts and you get um response in there um graham what about this uh, wonderful um sprinting sensation um zoe hobbs gone under the uh, 11 second barrier again admittedly it was uh, wind assisted um, but uh, very very impressive Um, and uh, we can see her I think confidently say we can see her in 100 metres final at the next Olympics surely the way she's going.
5: Um, It's a great story isn't it and and as you say she just does seem to get better and better the whole time Um, you know every, every meet she takes part in she seems to improving her times etc and yeah imagine having a new zealander in a 100 meters final at an olympic games I mean, it'd be quite a highlight really i mean i think it would be a bit much to sort of hope that she might get a medal but i think to make a 100 meters final at an olympic games would be a real um uh, highlight in uh new zealand sporting history really i
1: think it's uh, terrific, you know, it such a glamour event it is that well, it's it's not quite the blue ribbon event. Um, I'm not sure what is now in the Olympics, but uh, would be an interesting discussion in itself. But uh, Gord, so you'd be very interested in this uh, young lady's progress.
8: Oh, absolutely, Smithy. Uh, I think everyone should be. I mean, what she's the sort of performances she's putting in on the track, and and I and I should reiterate, consistently putting on and on the track, you know, none of these are none of these are just out-of-the-blue performances. She's she's consistently putting it together, which suggests that um, she's obviously got, you know, outstanding technique, explosiveness, um, and and she's delivering at at the very top level. And, you know, as Graham says, I mean, it would be absolutely sensational to have a New Zealand athlete uh, in a 100-metres final at at an Olympic Games. That would just be incredible stuff. And, And, you know, especially given... You know New Zealand's rich history when it comes to, especially middle distance running. Um, to then have someone branch out uh, in the track and field world and and show show their ability in in this format uh, of athletics would be just yeah something something really special I think. And um, yeah, who knows what she might be able to achieve um, in Paris in a year's time? It's um, yeah very exciting stuff.
1: Right, Andrew Gordy with us this morning and uh, Graham Beasley, we'll take a, a very quick news break and when we come back, uh, I'm going to talk uh, and we haven't put it on the menu for these two guys but super rugby coaching appointments, shall we say or people eligible to fill the positions How many will we need? That's becoming very, very interesting uh, It's uh, 10.30 here on SENZ
0: Talk, big opinions, the panel talk, talk, talk to me, yeah.
1: Right, our panel this morning is uh, Mr. Graham Beasley and uh, Mr. Andrew Gordy. And Mr. Andrew Gordy, uh, I'm not quite sure um, if you've uh, given this a heck of a lot of thought, but you might have. OK, so we need three super rugby coaches. We know that uh, going into next year, it seems anyway. Uh, then, of course, uh, you've got the scenario where Aaron Major and uh, Minor Pacifica are, are pretty much going nowhere, three points so far in the competition. Then you get the fifth one of, uh, in, in New Zealand as such and you look at um, the positioning of uh, Clark Dermody's Highlanders and they're at this point unlikely to make the playoffs. So Clayton McMillan's a given. What are we looking at here? This is a massive uh, job, I think, for New Zealand rugby to find possibly five replacements.
8: Yes, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting dynamic that's emerging here. Um, and and I do sit here and wonder whether this is a concern for New Zealand rugby at all or whether they can afford to be concerned about it. And I'll explain what I mean by that. You know, we, we had these stories a couple of weeks ago, didn't we, about Dave Rennie obviously turning down the Blues to head to Japan, Jamie Joseph. And I don't necessarily think that anyone was expecting that Jamie Joseph was going to come back to Super Rugby, um, but he obviously then committed his future to Japan. You have a lot of of IP and experience uh, among the New Zealand coaching fraternity who are now applying their trade in Japan. Now we have a situation where Scott Robertson um, is obviously leaving his post and he's he's hoovered up two other Super Rugby coaches um, to be part of his All Blacks team. And, and I get that. Like, New Zealand rugby on one hand must look at that and go, that's exactly what we want. we want. We want our coaches flying their trade at super rugby level, betting in, getting that experience, and then taking the next step. Because we were openly critical of that, weren't we? But there seemed to be this idea that coaches had to go overseas, and, and, and then New Zealand rugby would hire those, those coaches to be the All Blacks coach. So we can't sort of be critical of it on one hand, but then, you know, wring our hands uh, when, when the very opposite occurred. But. It, it, there is a vacuum there, isn't there? And and you sit there and you wonder who is going to fill those vacancies. Now, you know, I'm sure you naturally are going to look at at the next tier down, the NPC level coaches, because that's effectively where every single one of these, uh, you know, current Super Rugby coaches has come from, haven't they? Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, Clayton McMillan did it, Scott Robertson did it, Leon McDonald did it. So who is to say that any of those coaches aren't going to be capable of making the step up? There may not be the sort of big names i suppose um sitting among them like you know sort of leon mcdonald or scott robertson you know these former players who achieved or or really excelled at super rugby level won multiple titles and played for the all blacks and things like that but that doesn't necessarily mean um that there aren't great coaches sitting there or like i know there is obviously a huge rap on timothy allison um particularly down there at the crusaders i know he's obviously got the wellington job when it comes to the npc i wouldn't be at all surprised um if he became the next crusaders coach now whether other other franchises decide to head in that direction as well and essentially from promote within the New Zealand rugby system um, will be very interesting to see, but I do wonder whether at some point if, if the situation gets desperate and there isn't the confidence uh, among the franchises or, or at New Zealand rugby level, I suppose whether they might need to dig into their pockets to attract some of that premier talent back and I sort of i 'm not necessarily talking about you know, um, coaches of the ilk of Robbie Deans or, or Jamie Joseph, Dave, Rennie, Wayne Smith, th- those sorts of characters. You know, they've sort of been there, done that. I don't think they need to come back and do that. But there are other coaches um, who you might say haven't achieved uh, at the pinnacle level of the game yet that are sitting um, and playing their trade in Japan. You know, where the New Zealand rugby mm-hmm. might look at that situation and go can we lure one or two of them back? Because not only would we like them at Super Rugby level, but we'd also like them to be in the conversation when it comes to ultimately one day um, replacing Scott Robertson. So I think that might be something they, they will have to think about in the not-too-distant future.
1: I, I, I agree. I, I think uh, all of a sudden uh, the exodus might be greater. Graham, what do you make of that?
5: Yeah, well... Um, First of all, I'd say that the Chiefs must be pretty short favourites to win um, next year's Super Rugby title, really. I mean, having the established coach who's been so successful and really seems to have um, uh, got that team humming, and with all the other New Zealand teams likely to have new coaches, and I agree that I think there could be five changes, um, I think the Crusaders will be fine. They'll they'll just poach whoever they want, and and they'll keep on chugging, but... um, but the other um, the other franchises are, are really going to struggle. I was actually talking to this with some people on um, Saturday afternoon, um, specifically for the Hurricanes. The obvious person to move up there would be Crowley, um, having taken Wellington to the double last year. But he's he's on the farm. He's you know he's he's got his feet up. He said he doesn't want to coach anymore. So um, I think they'll struggle to to drag him out of retirement. So then, as Andrew says, you know you, you've got to start looking overseas really, and um, trying to bring people back and I agree that they'll be new people not not the likes of Joseph and Rennie etc so um, yeah, it, it, it certainly is going to be interesting times, it, it seems as if the Blues are uh, um, already actively looking at it, I don't really see so much that the other franchises are um, and whatever happens at the Highlanders and Moana Pacifica, I mean boy it's, um, they've certainly got to make some changes I would have thought in both of those franchises
1: Yeah, I just had a text in from Craig, actually, as any reason why uh, the Super Rug, uh, the All Black assistant coaches, particularly this season coming up, whether they can't remain with their particular franchises. I'm not quite sure that uh, that is the brief within uh, All Black assistant coaches. I think they have probably be uh, sitting at a lot of games alongside Scott Robertson, I would be imagining, and uh, trying to work through plans. But... Uh, we'll see, um, but it, uh, it might be more than three they're looking for. I think it's as plain as that. Right, uh, let's have a look, Graham. at um, who you think may well be um, a nice candidate to, to replace David White. And what's, for you, the David White legacy?
5: OK, to answer the second question first, um, when Robert Muldoon came to power in the 70s, he said that his objective was to leave the country in a better place than where he found it. Now, that comment may not have aged that well, but I think that's a good way of judging um, a leader's performance. And if you look at the state of New Zealand cricket when David White took over, they were basically bankrupt. the Black Caps team was particularly dysfunctional at that stage. You know, they had the... Remember that guy Little John that was hanging around the team for a while? There was a whole Andy Moyes player power and all that kind of stuff. It was in a pretty desperate state, really. Um, and and he's left it in a much better state. You know, they, they're now financially sound. They've tied down some long-term sponsorship deals. Obviously, the broadcasting thing, there's a bit of luck to a certain extent that he's now got three years of free to wear coverage coming up. Um, and during that period... Even though the white ferns didn't go so well but the um but the uh, but the black caps, you know, extraordinary um tenure really. Um, you know, win, winning the World Test Championship final, making three white ball finals, etc. So, um, you know, it was it was a good period. So I think he can be pretty proud of what he did. You know, there were a few hiccups along the way obviously. But um it was yeah, it's a it was a positive era. As for someone to replace him, I really don't know. There's no obvious candidate to me. Um, I heard someone suggesting Roger um, yeah, you because know, he comes with that sort of business background. Um, so he could be a possibility. I think he's pretty close to New Zealand cricket as it is. Um, I don't think they should go back to Martin Sneddon. I think, you know, again, it's, it's a bit like those rugby coaches that we we're talking about. I don't think you want to go back to the future sort of thing. Um, but yeah, there are no real names that um, that are leaping up.
1: Someone just uh, suggested Lee in my ear. In fact, we had a text the other day. He's uh, with New South Wales. Uh, it'll be interesting, Gord. What have you made of this situation now?
8: Yeah, I, I think this is really, really interesting, and I and I think New Zealand cricket is under a great deal of pressure to get this next appointment right. Look, I, I mean, I'm not going to. Sit here and wax lyrical about um, David White's performance. I think he's, you know, he's done a reasonable job. He didn't get it all, He certainly didn't get it right all the time. But I think on balance, he, he's done a reasonable job. The biggest challenge they're going to have about when it comes to replacing David White is the fact that he has been in the job for such a long time, and 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 New Zealand cricket has seen the benefits of that. David White, the one thing I w- w- will say that he's done very well is he's established very very strong relationships uh, with the key. Uh, other other nations, I suppose, particularly India. Now, when it comes to future tours, uh, there's some, some of the big boys, you know, when we're talking about England, India, Australia and whatnot, there's some, there's some countries that they just don't really bother going to, but they do come to New Zealand. And that comes down to relationships, that comes down to deals that are done essentially in hotel bars and, and, and that sort of thing, um, because those relationships are strong. And if you look at the New Zealand cricket picture at the moment, you've got David White, who's obviously been the CEO for the last 11 years. You've got Martin Smith, who's the chairman. He's obviously got a very rich history in the game as well. But he's, as, as Graham quite rightly points out, he's been in the game for a long time, and you can't necessarily imagine that he's going to be in the game for an awful lot longer either. And then I suppose the other key sort of administrative, uh, if I can use that word, figure in the game is probably Heath Mills, and you know he's closer to the end of his. Uh, tenure as head of the players association than than the start as well so you've got this situation brewing where a lot of experience in ip some of the previous conversation we were having around coaches are getting ready to walk out the door and that that could create a very concerning situation for new zealand cricket and i do think it will mold um the, the the characteristics and the experience of the person who comes into this role next I don't think they should necessarily go for someone who has uh, a great history necessarily in business outside of sport. Um, It won't work getting a a business banking CEO, for example. And I don't necessarily even think it will be worth chasing a CEO who's been successful in other sports. They need a cricket person um, because they need someone who's going to be able to pick up some of those relationships or be able to call on um, those relationships from from, I don't know, sort of previous positions. And that's why, I've got to be honest, uh, Lee Jamon was actually the first person that sprang to mind for myself because he will have relationships that certainly exist within Cricket Australia at the moment and further afield. He's obviously a former player himself. Um, so I think that sort of person uh, could 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 come in handy, I suppose, for, for New Zealand cricket. Um, the only other person that actually sprung to mind who 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 exists within the current sporting framework, I suppose, um, is Evan Lee. Um, He's obviously sort of a young, up-and-coming CEO um, with the Hurricanes. He's worked for World Rugby. um, But again, he's light on cricket experience. But yeah, sort of coming back to that point, I think they are going to need someone who's got that cricketing experience. And and again, sort of for that reason, coming back to your point, Graham, I know why you say perhaps, you know, you don't want to go back to the future, but even if Martin Snedden was seen as sort of a short-term fix um, until they had someone within the organisation who they could then get to ascend to the CEO position may not be the worst idea.
1: Yeah, I think he could be interim. There's no doubt about that. I mean, he could wear both hats, chairman and CEO, if uh, if needs uh, needs must. But uh, I think they, 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 yeah, they do have to uh, branch out a wee bit and um, consider a lot of options after such a long tenure by... David White. Uh, gentlemen, thank you very much. Andrew Gordy and Graham Beasley have been our panellists this morning. Uh, excellent stuff. Thank you. Uh, I'll try to have another panel uh, tomorrow morning at a, some stage uh, during the week. It's 10.44 here.
0: To help you succeed in your
3: field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SNZ.
1: Yeah, texts have uh, been coming in good, uh, really good this morning uh, and uh, excellent ones at that, double eight, double three, a number of subjects um, and uh, a lot of uh, rugby-based. Uh, Barry from Christchurch says, I, look, uh, I went to the Crusaders vs. Blues clash on Saturday night. It was a great atmosphere, but as a Crusaders fan, I left feeling underwhelmed. We were always going to win the game as we dominated possession and field position, but we tended to overplay the situation. We had four line-outs on their try-line in the first quarter and didn't drive any of them. Uh, this is usually an area we dominate. We need to simplify and execute better as we get closer to finals footy. Uh, Barry from Christchurch, nice observation there. Uh, Richard says, uh, "Smithy, the two best league converts in recent times: Thorn as Brad Thorn and uh, SBW, of course, Sonny Bill Williams. The two worst: Benji and RTS. Uh, of course, the the rugby league convert, uh, the rugby league converts at, at that point. Uh, both uh, Thorn and SBW went originally to the Crusaders." And then uh, Benji and RTS, of course, uh, gone to the Blues, say no more. Would have been great to see RTS in the back three where his instincts would have made his transition far more successful instead of practically uh, learning from scratch for a midfield role. It's a huge frustration as a rugby fan not to see him excel as he probably should have. Um, And uh, Simon from the Bays. Simon says, everyone is saying RTS is a failed experiment. I disagree. I've enjoyed watching him. The reality is we should never... Um, have let uh, Nani Lomapi leave New Zealand rugby. Very, very interesting. It is uh, 10.51. Uh, we're going to have a catch-up with uh, Paul Mawati prior to 11 o'clock. After that, we're going to be talking to uh, Scotty Sattler. Um, Scotty will be uh, with us from Australia on uh, the last round of NRL action. Of course, uh, Scotty Sattler has a vested interest in a few sides, um, notably the Panthers, where he played 118 times, and uh, of late he finished his career with the West Tigers, 22 times. So uh, over 200 games in all, uh, very experienced. We'll have uh, Scotty's opinion on how he sees things uh, in the NRL after 11 o'clock.
6: ...betting at $12, and then there's a drop down to Brooks Kepka and Patrick Cantlay, who are both paying $21 to win the PGA Championship. The best back so far, Scotty Scheffler has his fans, as does uh, John Rahm. Um, But there's a wee bit of money for Brooks Kipka, who uh, um, just fell away in the final round of the Masters uh, last month, Mm. and Justin Thomas, who's $23. So there's a good spread of money in that PGA Championship outright book. Of course, the NBA's on at the moment, and we've got our Western Conference and our Eastern Conference finalists, um, the LA Lakers. There they are. They're $3.90 to win the NBA Championship. Uh, the Nuggets are at 330. The favorites, the Boston Celtics, who had to go to Game 7 against the Philadelphia 76ers earlier this morning, but they came away with a fairly easy victory. They're now the favorites. They're $2 to win the NBA championship. The Miami Heat are at $13. Who's looking for a Celtics Lakers NBA championship final? One? <laughs> the sort of finals we used to see back in the 80s. Um, it'd be great to see, with LeBron James playing very, very well, of course. Uh, Jokic and the Nuggets will have something to say about that. Of course the first game in the Western Conference starts on Wednesday and the boys have already got the odds out for game one. Uh the Nuggets, their favourites a dollar forty four, the Lakers two seventy, uh, and their five and a half point favourites, the Nuggets. The total right now two hundred and twenty two and a half.
1: Paul and thanks for that. Um, and, you know, really uh, detailed uh, report on what's going on at the TAB. Yeah, plenty of options coming up. Uh, we'll be more on the basketball before Wednesday. But it's Rugby League we focus on after the break with Scotty Sattler out of Australia.
0: Covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy.
3: This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
0: Like a dream.
1: Right, it's 11.03 here on this side of the Tasman. That's a little earlier where our next guest is. Uh, Round 11 of the NRL is delivered again with another cracking round of actions, kicking off with the Storm taming the Broncos in Melbourne, the Bunnies going top of the ladder with a masterclass against uh, the Toiling Tigers and our very own Warriors getting the wagon back on track with a much-needed win against uh, desperate uh, doggies in Sydney. And joining us now to uh, break down uh, the weekend's action, that uh, was another beauty, is uh, Scotty Sattler. Scotty, of course, uh, vastly experienced career of thirteen years, uh, basically playing our league at the top level, and uh, of late, uh, towards the end of his career, the Panthers one hundred and eighteen games and West Tigers twenty two. Scotty, good morning to you, and thank you for your time.
9: Hey, Smitty, I was just going to say that's very rock and roll of you. That um, that song that comes back from the the segment, very rock and roll. What?
1: Well, I, I saw you down in Queenstown, and I kind of figured uh, I couldn't give you a tame sort of intro. It had to be something with a bit of punch, you know, something with a bit of rhythm, but a, a bit of blast as well.
9: But if, if anyone would have seen you in Queenstown for those couple of days, if I had to put a song to, to a Smithy to explain your actions over two days, uh, it has to be akka like you're just, you're out of control, so... It's good to be
1: with you. Yeah, and, and I had a heart attack. I had a heart attack two days later after that too, just by the by. <laughs> right, let's let's have a look at let's have a look at some of this uh, action over the weekend. Uh, beginning, of course, uh, with a pretty classy encounter on Friday night, which was the Storm and the Broncos, and the Storm continuing the Broncos' misery in Melbourne. Yeah, you're right. Uh, the Broncos
7: have been going great. Uh, this is going
9: to be this is one of their best. First true tests, I suppose, against teams that are used to playing against, yeah, you know, playing in really big matches, big marquee matches. The Melbourne Storm and the Broncos haven't had to really travel away from South East Queensland. They've had Magic Round, they've had the Cowboys, they've played the Suncorp. They went up to Darwin for a game against Parramatta. But outside of that, um, they haven't had to travel too much. And in the first 11 rounds, and uh, they go down to Melbourne. Uh, I, I've got to say, the Broncos convinced me that they can still win the comp. Even though they were beaten by the storm, because uh, they had some contentious calls against them, one that was sent Pat Carrigan, one of their best players, to the sin bin for ten minutes for a uh, hit drop tackle, which he was was not even fined or looks like going to be suspended for. So, some contentious calls over the weekend for the, um, the NRL and the Broncos. I felt you know they were you know they were pretty hard done by. But in saying that, the Melbourne Storm were really professional. So they just keep proving to everyone that. They're never going to go away, the storm.
1: They can ill afford to lose uh, Adam Reynolds uh, long term, stretch it off uh, in a neck brace. Have we heard anything about that?
9: Yeah, from all reports to me, he's going to be okay. He hit his head really hard when contesting for a ball uh, it, it, the, when it the looked like a trial was going to be scored. And um, everyone thought it was going to be a concussion, but it wasn't. He, he lost some feeling in his hand, I think it was his left hand. So it was. From looking at that, it looks like a maybe nerve damage in his neck that's gone down his his arm into his hand. So there's uh, there's a belief that he may be all right. So it's not a head knock. It's not something that's um that's head trauma or concussion. And I'll just assess it throughout the week. But there's a chance that he may play next week.
1: Scotty, um, we're pretty happy to see the Warriors get back on track. The Bulldogs aren't uh, the biggest scalp in the competition, but. I'm not sure the Warriors were ever really, uh, particularly when they established that lead, any and any danger of being run down.
9: Yeah, you know, they've been at the start of the season, we predicted our most improved teams. And I said the Warriors based on, the, one, their recruitment. I thought it's been outstanding. And two, the coach, Andrew Webster. I just know from uh, the guys, the people that I know at Penrith, who speak so highly of his, not only his coaching, but his relationship with the players. So it's it's no surprise that they have improved greatly. Now I went through a little bit of a lean patch there for a couple of weeks but in saying that have um, have found a, a level of consistency that has not usually been attributed to the Warriors over the years and the inconsistency I mean is that the ability to defend for long periods of time, which which the Warriors have never been famous for. It's always been about let's see how many points we can score in a short amount of time, but it's also on the you know, continued, you know, improvement of of um, some young players that come coming through the grades and then you've got the really good recruiting like Ford and, and Sean Johnson's been outstanding he's been amazing and I've always been a huge fan of Josh Cullen so it's a lot of those players now that uh, a lot of those youngish sort of players that have now sort of got a fair few first grade games under their belt and on the back of that jo- Sean Johnson's just showing this, this this great form that saw him win a golden boot now a lot of people are saying oh yeah he's been He's been scouted by other NRL clubs. I hope he doesn't leave. I know he's only on a a one-year contract, but in saying that, I just think the Warriors and Sean Johnson go well together, and I'd hate Mm. him at 32 have to go and try and restart a club. It takes too much out of you emotionally when you're 32, going to a club that's really struggling um, to start again. Uh, I I hope he stays at the Warriors for another year.
1: If you uh, you were the head coach, if you were Andrew Webster and you know you've got uh, Roger Tuovasashek, Coming to the club uh, next year, maybe a little bit earlier if things go well. I-, I just wonder where would you put him in, bearing in mind that uh, Shans Nuggle Clockstad at fullback has done a hell of a job this year.
9: Outstanding. Been one of their best players. But you're also getting one of the best players in the world back into your side as well. So you've got to find a position. I'd start him on the wing. I would start him on the wing initially, um, or maybe in the centres. But in saying that, I feel as though that he naturally has to drift back to that, that position of fullback. You need to put him where your opposition don't want him, and you don't want him at fullback. But I think just to drift feeding back into the game, I know he hasn't been away for a long time, but you do pick up some bad habits when you go to rugby and then come back to league and vice versa. So I think I would start him probably on the wing first and then eventually move him back to, to fullback. Because I think Charles Dukle-Cooks, though, would make a, a terrific centre. I think he make a really good centre. So I think they could they could um, work their magic there with with Andrew Webster. He thinks outside the box, Andrew Webster, which is what I, what I like about him. So I think eventually RTS will be at fullback, but I think, you know, you don't have to do it overnight.
1: Just looking at uh, one of the big games for the weekend, which ended up being just an absolute thrashing, uh, the, the Panthers, which you, you had a history with, the Roosters, you had a bit of a history with as well. Um, and all of a sudden you look at the table and you see, OK, here we go, Panthers back where they belong. Um, but the Roosters have issues, it seems, with that scoreline.
9: Massive issues. Uh, players that have yeah, been some of the best in the competition, maybe who are really struggling for form. James Tedesco, probably most notably. Um, young Joseph Lee, who is going to rugby, of course, um, in a couple of years. He's playing in the centres, which is probably not his natural position at the moment. Um, but it all comes back to primarily their forward pack and their forward pack are, are getting dominated uh, they're not physical enough and uh, the other sides are, are really running roughshed over them to be quite honest yeah this panthers side really haven't clicked into gear and take that score line from the weekend out of the, out of the equation they really clicked into gear but when you look at their defensive record they're they're the best defensive team in the comp by the length and the straight so if people are starting to question about whether they can win another comp losing the players they have and saying they can't do it, well, they probably need to look at how good they are defensively because defense wins your cops, and they're already there. So, uh, but the Roosters have they got some problems, and, and they they didn't emerge when they dropped Sam Walker. They were starting to emerge before Sam Walker um, was was dropped down to second grade. So, yeah, he's in a knee brace now. He's going to be out for a number probably another three or four weeks. Joey Mar now injured, so um, they can't really rush Walker back into the side. So they're really just going to have to scratch and crawl the best way they can Trent Robinson's really going to be you know, tested as a coach and um, what he can do to get the best out of his teammates but um, what he's got to say to his forward pack is you're not the forward pack that's dominated you know, this competition for a number of years since 2013 you've got to you know, you've got to stand up and, and be counted because if you, if you stand up and, and dominate your opposition forward pack that's when the likes of your Luke Kearys and your James Southcodes and your Sewer Leeds that's when they, they're able to play at their best so it all comes down to your front line. If your front line gets knocked over, well, it doesn't matter what's coming coming behind; they're going to get they're going to get swamped as well. And that's what's happening with the Roosters at the moment.
1: On the basis of what you're saying about a number of uh, key players who are just up finding the form that they should have uh, this far into the competition, what, what are you thinking in terms of state of origin? Then, I mean, will there be some very interesting selections um, on either camp?
9: Well, I, I don't think there'll be any surprise. From a Queensland point of view, because I think winning the series last year, it pretty much picks itself. Um, and with New South Wales, I think, yeah, you know, even though there's some players that are playing out of form, you got to remember all four Queensland sides are sort of in the top eight or teetering around the top eight. So they're all in form, a lot of the Queensland clubs and a lot of the players that play for those Queensland clubs. Um, but for New South Wales, a lot of out of form players. Good part about Origin, Smithy, is, yeah, you know, players like Tedesco who aren't playing well, they get to Origin and they find form. Because they're around other players that are that are probably got the same mindset as well. So, you know, Origin can play players into form, and you know Tedesco always scares me as a Queensland. Even though he's not playing well at the moment, when he gets to Origin, you'll go to another level. That's what Origin does. It draws out, it draws out every little bit of expertise you've got in your game. So, um, New South Wales, I think, I think they'll have a few surprises. I think you know, there's, a, there's a big back row playing for Manly called uh, um, Halim Ola a, a big second row. and everyone's been touting him to to play Origin this year, his first Origin. But then yesterday in the game at Brookvale, in front of the coach Brad Fittler, who's sitting on the sideline for commentary for Channel Nine, misses a horrible tackle uh, on a Cronulla player to score it to, for the Cronulla player to score a try, and in front of the New South Wales coach. And the teams are going to be picked next Monday. You've got to be better than that if you're going to play Origins. So I think we're going to be surprised with a few of the selections uh, from, from New South Wales.
1: Right, OK. Um, you've obviously uh, had um, quite some time with the Tigers as well. Or, uh, and I just uh, wonder what you're making of them now. There's uh, all sorts of rumours uh, about the coaching setup, They even go back as far as the boardroom. Uh, and they were blanked by uh, Latrell, Mitchell & Co. 20 nothing at the weekend.
9: Yeah, you know, they have got a, a few questions that have got to be asked, I suppose, at administration level. That's first and foremost. I wouldn't be concerned about the coaching uh, set-up they've got at the moment, which Tim Sheen's oversee uh, Benji Marshall. Benji's going to be a very good coach, a very good coach. Uh, what they've got to get, do at the moment is uh, the, people got to have patience. And with the Tigers, unfortunately, they haven't played finals for so many years. Your, your patience can only go so far. But under this current regime with Sheen's as head coach, I've worked with Tim Sheens. I've known him for a number of years. I've got a lot of respect for the man. I know that he likes to play the long game when he's in charge. And and with the long game with Tim Sheens, he'll get it right. Oh, I know he'll get it right. It's just, you know, we're trying to get through this, this real teething process with this new setup of the coaching scenario with Benji. He's trying to take a lot of the reins. He's just got Tim sitting overseeing him at the moment. But the problem is they don't have a... They don't have a, a a general manager of rugby league smithy don't have a lot of that person that's overseeing the rugby league department that's where the head coach gets pulled into a lot of those areas if he doesn't need to and he just needs to be focusing on coaching and and recruiting and and not worrying about operational issues and stuff like that so you know there's a couple of areas that they've got to fix up off the field on the field they're trying really hard unfortunately they just don't have that that polish they don't have that polish to to finish up potential opportunities and, and they're stuck in the, the they're logged into a few a few contracts, Smithy, that they can't get out of at the moment. But over the next sort of eighteen months, I'll start to weed a few players out, and and hopefully have the you know have the to be able to recruit some really good players to add to the ones I've made over the over the off season. So, you know, I know a lot of people will look at the the NRL ladder and see that they're sitting last, and go, "What are you talking about?" But I'll, I have faith in Tim Sheens and Benji that they'll get it right eventually. Unfortunately you can't have a lot more patience with the Tigers because they haven't played finals for so long. So, you know, mm. I'm, I'm the eternal optimist when it comes to 10 machines.
1: Good. It's nice to hear, actually, and uh, particularly your comments about uh, Benji Marshall. Uh, the other side that uh, is making a bit of noise at this stage, uh, the Sharks, they won away uh, to uh, Manly at the weekend, 20-14. to 14. Um, Nico Hines is um, playing some absolutely Superb rugby league, does he get a job For the Blues and where do you see the Sharks as contenders
9: Well at the start of the year I had the Sharks in my top four And if you're in the top four you've got a chance to win the comp And it's as simple as that And the competition changes then You've got to then have the ability to Think like a finals team Prepare like a finals team, don't prepare like you have Throughout the year, you've got to go to another level Of intensity and and some teams have it, some teams don't. And with the Sharks last year, they were disappointing to be bundled out straight sets last year. So they'll learn from that. And I think if they make the top four, they're definitely a premiership contender. They've got to really tidy up their defence. They're leaking too many points. Uh, but they've got the Dalian player of the year, Nico Hines. Um, it's going to be interesting to see whether Nico himself can go to the next level and, as a, and be a player that can turn his team into a finals contention, grand final contention team into getting to a grand final. And with, when it comes to Origin, he's in the box seat. I think at worst, I think at the absolute worst, Smitty, he'll be picked in a number 14 jersey. I think he'll play that utility role. A lot of people are saying, oh, you'll waste him as a utility. I, I don't agree with that. I feel as though that for a kid that's never played Origin, to play him at number 14 allows him to come into the game, inject himself with all that... That great enthusiasm and energy that he's got and I think he can play a crucial role for New South Wales. At worst he'll be 14. At best, he'll wear the number 6 jersey, I think and, but I think uh, I'll pick the Penrith combination of Eye of and, and Nathan Cleary as well which, with a couple of other players from Penrith and, and form those combinations That is are the reason why they're going so well at the moment so, but with Nico, at worst I think he'll be a 14, a utility player
1: Scotty Sattler, absolutely brilliant for us, uh, to help us out this morning. I, I love your comments um, the in-depth nature of them. Uh, wish you all the best, mate, and uh, hope we catch up again at some stage in the future. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it.
9: Anytime, Smitty. See ya.
1: Yeah, champ, man. Thank you. Uh, Scott Sattler there uh, out of Australia for us uh, Yeah, with his wealth of experience uh, in the game and uh, nice to hear uh, those thoughts uh, about Benji Marshall in particular because uh, the fingers are pointing, aren't they? They're just saying... Uh, The transition, uh, of course, is not easy to go from player to coach, particularly if you're a young coach, because uh, a lot of the players still regard you as that, as a player. So to jump straight into a high-profile position like that, even uh, albeit under Tim Sheens, not an easy thing to do. And then when your side is struggling, people start to point the finger, of course. It is coming up to 11.20 here on SENZ.
0: Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in
3: Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Turn up the volume, we're crossing live to the sports desk. What's fresh? What's making waves? Let's find out.
1: Yeah, some interesting stuff uh, on the sports decks uh, as we head across to uh, Ricardo this morning. Uh, I was going to kick it off with uh, this Jar Morant story, and uh, of course, I don't know I mentioned it in the last news bulletin, but this is a guy, a young guy, he's 23 years of age, who was suspended uh, back in March for eight NBA league games. This he plays for the Grizzlies alongside Stephen Adams. I, I understand Stephen Adams has been trying to do some work with this kid, but whoever is, he's not listening because it appears that over the weekend uh, footage of uh, him again was circulating on social media uh, in a car with a friend it appeared that uh, he was briefly holding what appears to be a gun it's unclear whether the firearm is real or whether it actually belongs to Morant doesn't matter who it belongs to as such if you're brandishing one on social media you're a dipstick, you're an idiot and you get what you, uh, what is coming to you and it'll be a lot more if they find him guilty a lot more than 8 games I tell you. Yeah, it's an interesting answer because when I first saw this, I was like,
4: okay, you're in America, you can buy guns at Walmart. What's the big deal about being photographed with a gun? Right, that's That was my initial reaction, so I thought there must be some more context we're not getting from this headline. And you read into it, and like you say, yeah, he's driving along, singing to a rap song, arm out the window, gun in his hand apparently, which is a whole different thing from just being photographed with a gun. So uh, this is a young guy acting stupid. I mean, he's got the world at his feet in terms of basketball. Uh, he's not... A gangster as far as i'm aware he's not a rap star as far as i'm aware he's not in he's not shooting a music video i'm not sure what he's up to mate he he needs some um, some help he needs some people around him uh, and he he needs to grow up
1: well he does need people around him that's the key i'm not quite sure what his family situation is whether he's uh, in a happy situation there or whether he is so easily influenced by other people Um, and what kind of people he's mixing with uh, he's obviously mixing with people who carry guns I mean, you know, uh, you know, to nightclubs and things like that. It, that is obviously the the mix in his life at the moment, which is um, it's making it easy for him to do these things, rather than people turning around and saying, "Mate, that's just so stupid, just such a stupid and disrespectful thing to do." Yeah, well, and then the other question is, why does he feel the need
4: to carry a gun? You know, I mean, has, has he been has he been threatened? Is he worried about his safety, or is this all about image?
1: It's about image. That's all I can think. Especially when you see the latest video. Uh, which i've just watched actually it's about image uh, and forgetting exactly who you are right let's uh, move on to uh, a bizarre baseball subject this is you often see this uh, possibility of this happening but this is a bad one,
4: isn't it? Yeah, it is. Ryan Feltner, the uh, Colorado Rockies pitcher, uh, pitcher yesterday, had his skull fractured and is in hospital with a concussion as well. He's uh, not going to need surgery, apparently, so he's he's probably gotten off a little bit lightly, but he, he threw a pitch at Philadelphia's Nick Castellanos, who fired it, basically hit it straight back at him, hit him in the head at
1: 149 kilometres per hour. What? Straight? Well, of course... They don't have any protection. I've seen in softball, uh, uh, girls uh, and women's softball and uh, other sports where the pitchers do, in fact, in women's softball, they do in America and the college system, the pitchers wear masks for this very, very mm. reason. It's interesting that um, um, whether anything will come of that. I mean, uh, the chances of it happening are pretty slim, um, but the, the circumstances, if it does happen, are pretty drastic, as you can imagine in what you've just talked about. I, I can't imagine it being a thing in baseball. Maybe at, uh, at that level I've thought about Little League. I, I don't recall them when I watched the Little League on American television that the the is even at that level where uh, no. there wouldn't be that much power, and power in the bats, the batters either So at that age. But, yeah, it's an interesting one. Well,
4: Very I mean, you know, if you think about uh, the United States and what we know about their system, is, you know, people get sued all the time. So, I mean, if – Major League Baseball does do anything about this, it's probably going to be off the back of somebody like Ryan Feltner suing the Major League Baseball for not having a safe workplace. Mm,
1: Absolutely. Uh, Anything else? Anything
4: Uh, else? Well, there's something that I thought might catch your attention, actually, Smithy, um, and this is the official world golf rankings. Um, Now, the thing that's been, I guess you would say, holding Live back a little bit, Live Golf, is that none of their tournaments are... um, recognised um, in terms of world golf rankings. So you can play in them, but you don't earn any ranking points. And what the knock-on effect this may have is, at the moment, you're getting live golfers still appearing at majors, like at Augusta, right, because of their ranking points. That's why they're there. They're going, hey, we're just taking the top-ranked golfers. But if they continue to play on the Live Tour, they're not getting any ranking points. So they're going to drop out of that top 160 or whatever it is, and then they're not going to be able to play Augusta. They're not going to be able to play the majors. So one thing that Live Golf have been trying to do is uh, get official World Golf rankings. But uh, there's a story in the mirror out of the UK uh, basically saying that uh, as an official from the official World Golf rankings, one of the board members has said they've not heard from Live Golf or Greg Norman in weeks. So I'm not sure where this is going or what it means for the future of Live Golf or the golfers that play in it.
1: What it does mean for the initial future of those players being able to qualify for um, majors and get exemptions to play in that is uh, not good news. Because every time uh, they play in a tournament where the rankings don't count, they fall further backwards uh, to all those conventional PGA players whose performances do count. And so uh, there's only limited numbers uh, if you're a, fe- a former champion you're probably safe for that particular event um, um, like you know a, a former a major winner like a Kepka or a Garcia or, uh, or those type players Patrick Reed, who have won in the past Dustin Johnson they'll have exemptions into those tournaments that they have won, those majors they have won outside of that I'll be losing ground 100 miles an hour and the interesting thing for me that I took from that is that um, it takes a long time for these things to get adjudicated on, work through a system, can take up to a year. You can lose a lot of points in a lot of places in a year. Ricardo, yeah. I can promise you that. You can, But mate. It's 11th th- and, uh, on that subject. Of course, Jason Day winning this morning and getting himself a lot of ranking points. Uh, former major winner himself in uh, prime form going into the PGA this weekend. Right, it's uh, it's just after 11.30 uh, actually. We'll hear from Araha. And when we come back, uh, we'll stump Smithy for the first time uh, this week. And you probably will. It's uh, for 50 bucks, um, we wish you all the best. 0800 150 811. Uh, Quizmaster will be, uh, of course, uh, Ricardo Ball, and uh, Brian Bradity, uh, who writes a lot of these questions, incidentally, uh, will be taking your calls, and if you've got issues with the questions, now's a good time to have a crack at Brian. Off air, that is. Off air. 11.32.
5: Ian Smith's had a good match here.
0: Stamped by Smithy.
5: Ian Smith really is top class at his job.
1: Right, uh, we're up for 50 bucks. uh, First uh, start to uh, this particular week. Um, And uh, Friday, I think Louis lost, so uh, that was no good to us. Uh, I think Louis will be back uh, tomorrow to have another crack maybe. We'll wait and see. Uh, But uh, who have we got lined up this morning? And uh, what are the subjects? That is the best question, and... uh, uh, the questionnaire uh, to this morning uh, is, uh, of course, Ricardo. Yeah, we've got Mike from Christchurch first up. G'day, Mike, how are you doing?
4: Oh, might, might help if I turn his mic on, his phone on. There we go. <laughs> so, uh, Mike, uh, uh, how you doing, bud? Yeah, good, guys. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Good. Uh, what are your strengths, bro? What are your strengths? What do you like? Uh,
3: I'm a bit of rugby league and rugby, typical.
4: Okay, all right. Well we might have something for you, mate, because here are your options. You can go basketball, you can go the round ball code and football, or you can go rugby. What do you want to do?
3: Um I'll go rugby.
4: Mm-hmm. All right, here we go, Smithy. You primed, you ready? Poised. Poised. Poised at the ready. Poised at the ready. Here is the first question for you Mike. New Zealand Warriors centre Rocco Berry is the son of a former All Black. What Super Rugby franchise did Marty Berry play for? Um,
7: I'm gonna go with the Hurricanes.
4: Just a couple of chips down a wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Yes, nicely done, mate. All right, yeah, yeah, you nearly. The, well, you you, you one question out of three. Here's uh, question two. In 1990, Englishman and All Black fullback John Gallagher switched codes to play rugby league in England. Which team did he sign for?
5: Um, that's a toughie. Um, okay, Wigan.
6: One of the worst things I have ever seen. Done on a cricket
1: field. All right, Smithy, how, how how confident are you here? I I remember him as a great rugby player. I remember when he changed, and I've, I'm not 100% sure here, but I think he might have gone to the Leeds Rhinos. Just a couple Ooh. of chips down the wicket, right Ooh. in the slot, and where it goes. Well, nicely done, unlucky, Might You've been stumped.
9: That's right. Cheers, guys.
4: Cheers, mate. Uh, try Cheers. again tomorrow. All right, and now I think we have uh, Carrie from Manawatu with us. G'day, Carrie, how are you doing?
1: Yeah, good morning. How
4: are you? Yeah, good, mate. Good. You've got one question, and you could you could take away a $50 TAB voucher. Here it is. One of the biggest CrossCode stars to play rugby, Sonny Bill Williams, joined Toulon in 2010 from the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs in a controversial walkout on the NRL club. He has played for three rugby league clubs in his career. Can you name them?
7: Roosters.
4: Yep. Um, bulldogs. Yep. And there's one more.
1: And um...
6: come on, mate.
7: No. No, I can't get it.
6: Can't get it. One of the worst things I have ever seen. Done on a cricket
4: field. Smother. He's got the dogs. He's got the Chooks. Which is the third rugby league club Sunny Bill Williams played for?
1: Oh God, I'm battling here. I'm I'm absolutely battling here. The Chooks, the Bulldogs. Did you say the Bulldogs? Yeah, yeah. Canterbury Bulldogs. And I'm gonna say it's a Sydney team. So uh, we'll hang around Sydney. Uh, I'll I'll go the uh, maybe head a. a a glittering moment or two with the Dragons. That's all One I can of the say.
6: Worst things I have ever seen done
3: on a tonight.
4: No. no, well done, Kerry. Uh, you've got the fifty dollars TAB uh, bet, bonus bet. The answer is the Toronto Wolfpack, who played Super League. They played in the <laughs> league under Super League, then got promoted to Super League. So that was your answer.
7: I, I knew it wasn't an Aussie team.
1: Okay. Yeah. Very good. Well, it could have been the Catalan Dragons or one of those high-paying ones, I suppose. Mm. The Toronto Pack. Very clever, Brian. Very, very smart, that was. Okay, uh, oh. Carrie, uh, you stay on the line and you can talk to your good friend, Brian, who just helped you out there. And um, <laughs> he, he, he can he can get through <laughs> that voucher, if you like. It. It's coming up to 11.40. Uh, there's more texts uh, for us to get through after the break and uh, a couple of other... Interesting issues to chat about, too. It's uh, yeah, uh, another winner this time from the Manawatu, as uh, Bill McLaren would have said. Congratulations, Gary. We've got a lineup at SCNZ that would terrify any NRL defense. Izzy, Kempi, Kirst,
0: Beaver, Staffy, Clado, Smithy. Nope, no thank you. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa.
3: This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ.
4: it's mornings with Ian Smith here on SENZ, 16 away from midday. Smithy, got some breaking news for you. Fire ahead, fire ahead. I'm on tender hooks. Craig Bellamy, the man that's supposed to be retiring at the end of the season, has just signed on to coach the uh, Melbourne Storm for a 22nd season next season. So he's going to coach through to the end of 2024.
1: Ah, the man that Dean Lonergan calls bellyache. Eh? Yes, that's bellyache. Him. He calls him. Yeah, that's him, Craig Bellamy. Well, why wouldn't you? Uh, after that convincing win at the weekend, and uh, they'll be in contention again. You know that. And uh, that was after an exodus of some senior players. So, Craig Bellamy wouldn't be the same. The Storm without Bellamy, anyway, would it? No, it'd be it'd be weird. It would. I, I, it'd have the same feeling as the Broncos when Wayne Bennett first left, right? Mm, yeah it would actually, it's a it's a dynasty and by God he had some uh, rugby league talent at his disposal and he has used it well, Craig Bellamy great news for Melbourne uh, league fans right, let's get through a couple of these uh, texts as well, uh, Dean has said totally agree with Jeff uh, but the Brumbies are not that great, Crusaders will destroy them in Canberra if they get second, for me that's a big if, I see the top four being the Chiefs, the Crusaders, the Brumbies and the Blues, the Hurricanes fifth simply because the Canes have a hell of a run Uh, coming up. uh, They've got the Blues, the Chiefs, the Crusaders, then the Blues again, uh, Dean says, uh, because he's slightly, I won't say slightly, very much so, anti-Blues. I'd love for them to win the last game. Uh, Marshy's coming and said, uh, Marina, Smithy, Taradell going okay in the uh, Hawks Bay Rugby Union Nash Cup. Uh, What's happened to Havelock North? I think they're on a roll. I think they've won their last two in a row, Marshy. But the team that's going really well is Tech, although they were challenged right to the end by uh, Central over the weekend. Some terrific rugby being played in the Hawks Bay comp, uh, Chris has said uh, everyone was doubting Messi before the World Cup as well. I think Bowden Barrett would be good at the World Cup. Ooh, put in, oh, putting—I suppose you could put Bowden Barrett in the Messi category with Bowden Barrett twice. Twice Ricardo been World Rugby Player of the Year twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. Now I'm not convinced. I'm, yeah, I think it's stretching it a bit. But, but to
1: be honest, okay, Just, right, yeah. we'll move we'll move on down Um, uh, Leon um, McDonald need to come out and stop all the talk what is the reason why RTS is not playing until then we have to keep speculating that Sammy from Arrowtown don't know um, is he good enough to make the 23 at the moment Uh, in Leon McDonald's thinking I don't think there'd be any other reason why he's not picking him would there well, well, he's the, not going to be involved in Leon McDonald's All Black campaign.
4: Well, he's not, and maybe that's part of the reason. Maybe Leon's going look, got one eye on next season, and go. Well, I mean, I mean, I don't expect Harry Plummer to be an All Black option, but he at least will be available for the All Blacks next mm, season. Hey. Roger tuivasa won't be.
1: That's an interesting one. Uh, okay, uh, Sammy, uh, we'll keep our uh, ears to the ground on that one. Um, Colin Cooper is coaching club rugby in Taranaki. I had no idea. Um, does he become an option? You bet he does you bet he does uh, become an option. So um, that's uh, an interesting one. Um, I can also uh, say, I've had it on um, a little bit of inside information, that um, Sevens coach Clark Laidlaw may be a candidate. Uh, So, um, of course, the, um, the Black Fern Sevens, All Black Sevens are triumphant at the weekend, again, dominating. Uh, Clark Laidlaw's probably taken that team as uh, far as he wants to and maybe he wants to expand to the 15 so uh, there you go perhaps uh, in the Wellington area Clark Laidlaw so we'll keep that as a, a, a decent sort of rumour from a pretty good source uh, Right, okay, let's uh, move along also uh, morning I think yeah, some scro- close scrutiny must come on Leon McDonald, his record is very poor and a major disappointment against the Crusaders not sure he's earned the right to go into an All Blacks role, that's uh, Brian, While well, he's in uh, Brian, regardless, is uh, in um, and here's one that is uh, of interest to me and uh, it came through while I was uh, talking to Paul Kent um, and, uh, not, not, not Paul, I uh, was talking uh, to Scott Sattler and it came through about Paul Kent now I had no idea about this Ricardo, I've got to say, I've been out of the loop, obviously, clearly, um, but this is uh, threatening to be not too good for Paul Kent. No, not at all. This came through on Saturday night. Um, police have
4: charged rugby league journalist Paul Kent with assault after he was allegedly involved in an altercation with a woman at his home in Sydney's Inner West. Um, basically, he uh, they were ab- arrested, both him and a 33 year old woman, uh, taken to the Leichhardt Police Area Command. They spoke to both of them and then she was released. Kent was then taken to Surrey Hills Police Station. He's been charged with common assault and choking a person without consent. Uh, He is temporarily ceasing writing for the Daily Telegraph and will not appear for Fox in the coming weeks.
1: Not good. Not good at all when it gets to that stage and uh, you get to that far down in terms of the prosecuting side of things. I would imagine, uh, to answer your question, Rory, uh, knowing the people at Fox and how um, seriously they take behaviour of their their talent, etc., uh, I would say, as you said, are we allowed to mention the Paul Kent story we just have? Um, because it's a news story as such, we've got no allegiance there one way or the other. Uh, if this is all true, his NRL 360 career is, is toast, isn't it? Yeah, mm, yeah. absolutely yeah. it's toast. Yeah, probably is. Absolutely <laughs> it would be toast, no way of looking at it.
4: I think some people, uh, fans of rugby league are revelling in this to an extent, which I, you know is, is never a great look, but because of Paul Kent's... Uh, Journalism style, shall we say, over the last few years. He has certainly uh, pulled the covers over on a few stories like this of players currently playing the game. So I don't think there's a lot of sympathy out there for him.
1: Right, OK. Uh, uh, let's get to a, another couple of um, texts. There'll be more news about that, I'm sure, in the coming months. Um, and I suggested that the Auckland Canterbury game was uh, littered with inaccuracy and being unable to complete by, complete by both sides. Bodie with his nothing poke kicks giving away possession where his team fought hard to get any ball was ridiculous. I was soundly told off by Justin Marshall, but I know that what I saw, and so does the coaches of France and Ireland, respectively. Thanks. That's Wayne from Carmo. Uh, Camo. Uh, yeah. Rightio. Um, and there's... Um, this is the first uh, time in a long time Sean Johnson has played behind a good forward pack um, that go forward. Give him go forward um well it might be uh, consistently week after week mark there's no doubt about that week after week uh, even in defeat the packs still go forward and they defend uh, like their lives are on it week after week so no secret they're back into the uh, the top eight um we'll have a catch up with staffy because uh, his show's coming up i've seen him uh, immaculately dressed in the building so he's uh, got his best bib and tucker on uh, and I might ask him we've got a final uh, text about Bruce Robertson from Glenn might bring that up with Staffie as well